0: Well, our scripture reading today comes to us from the book of Genesis. We're going to look at chapter 21, verses 1 through 7, and that's on page 29 of your Pew Bibles. Genesis 21, verses 1 through 7. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Thus ends our reading of God's inerrant word. May all who hear it find joyful, joyful laughter in the coming of their Savior. It was December 24th 1985, and a nine-year-old boy was anxiously awaiting Christmas morning. And there was really only one thing that this little boy had asked for that year. The robotics R2000 Argus. I think there might be a picture of that up there for you. Yeah, it was this robotic construction set that that you could build into this battling dinosaur. Uh, And it was really really truly was the only thing that this little boy wanted but the question was would I get it (laughs) you know in in my heart of hearts I, I had this optimistic outlook because in all the years past I had not once been disappointed on Christmas morning but would this year be different would my parents not come through I mean they always had before right but, but this, the robotics, R2000 Argus, that's an expensive gift. And so while I believed, I, I also had my doubts. Once again, we have come to that season of the year known as Advent. A time when, when like that little boy, our hearts are full of anticipation. Because Advent, it does, Advent, it does mean Coming, and it is the birth of our Lord that that we as God's people eagerly await. But why this expectancy? Why this anticipation? Why do we long for this child to be born? What is so special about this particular birth? When we read the scriptures, particularly in the Old, Tes- Old Testament, we 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 see this tension, a tension that can that can almost be felt pretty much from Genesis three on, right? Something is just not right. Because of man's sin, All creation, including us, has fallen under God's curse. We now live in a in a world that is broken and corrupt, a world that is full of rebellion and revolt, a, a world full of pain. And suffering, a world that, that ultimately leads to death and decay. I mean, think about the weeds that spring up in your garden every year. I mean, what are their purpose except to choke out the life of all the other plants, right? In a similar fashion, that's that's what sin does. It, its ultimate end leads to death and destruction. And so deep, deep down, we, we know that something is wrong, that, that something is amiss, and that in our own strength, there's really nothing that we can do about it. And yet God has not left us without hope. For even after that first sin, the, the sin of Adam and Eve, when they took that forbidden fruit, God had made this promise to our forebears. Look at at Genesis 3, verse 15. Here we see God cursing the serpent, and he says this. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. You see, from from the very get-go, God, he he gives us this promise of salvation through the offspring of the woman. This one who would defeat our enemy for us. A child would be born. A child who would be this messianic figure. A, A son would be given and from him all things would be made aright again. And throughout the Old Testament, we we see prophecies of this coming child, this coming Savior. Moses spoke to him, the prophet who would be greater than him. David spoke of him as having this eternal kingdom. We see him in Isaiah as a suffering servant. These men, they were anticipating this newborn king. This one who would remove our sins from us and establish that eternal, eternal kingdom. But what we also see throughout the Old Testament is the same hope being expressed in the bearing of children. We see these miracle babies scattered throughout time. Newborns who act as foreshadows to the, to the true offspring of Eve. The one who would ultimately come to rescue us. The very one who would set things right. And so this is what we're going to focus on this this Advent. These miracle children of Scripture and how each and every one of them points us to Jesus. And today we begin with Isaac. Now... In order for us to understand Isaac, we must first understand his parents. We must understand Abraham and Sarah. You see, it was to Abraham that God had given this promise of a child in the first place. And we see the first inklings of this this promise in Genesis 12, when God had called Abraham to leave his home and to travel to the land of promise. Look at at Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth... Will be blessed through you. Three things that we see here: first, God had called Abraham to to leave behind the life that he knew and to follow Him. Kind of reminds you of Jesus, does it not? When He called the twelve, He He asked them to leave behind everything to come and to follow Him. And so the same calling is upon Abraham. Second, we we see that God made to Abraham an unconditional promise. I will make you into a great nation. Now there's nothing on Abraham's part that he needs to do. God just said, I'm gonna do this. It's an unconditional promise. There are unconditional promises to us as well, is there not? Finally, we see that this greatness, this promise to Abraham to make him into this great nation, it would not be for his blessing alone, but it would be a blessing to others as well. In fact, God describes it as having this this global reach. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And yet, in order for this promise to be fulfilled Abraham would have to have a child. A a, a son who would be his heir. And yet when Abraham finally reached the promised land, guess what? He was still childless. He had no son. Well, it was then that God spoke to him once again. Look Look at Genesis 15, verses 1 through 6. After this... The word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O, Lord, o sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now by this time, Abraham was getting pretty old. And so was his wife, Sarah. And Sarah, she had been a barren woman her whole life. And this is why Abraham was questioning God's promise. How can I be this father of a great nation if I have no children? How can that happen? Now, I think it can be pretty easy for us to relate to Abraham's concern. For, for naturally speaking, when, when when God what God was promising to Abraham was impossible. And we as, as sinful humans, we tend to write off anything that we cannot prove or, or that seems too far-fetched. In fact, many of the promises that we see in Scripture, promises that have our names upon them, naturally speaking, are impossible. For example, in Jesus, we have the promise of eternal life. But how can that be? For, for we know that, that one day we're, we're, we will all die, right? I mean, that's the way it's been since the beginning. And yet here is this promise from Jesus that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Or what about the promise of having a new home, the new heavens and the new earth? Because we live in this fallen creation, we we really have no reference, no, no frame of mind of what a world that is without death, that is without decay, or sin for that matter, could possibly look like. And yet Jesus in the book of Revelation boldly states, Behold, I am making everything new. You see, these are hard promises to hold on to because we can't see any natural way that they can be accomplished. And this is where Abraham was. Oh, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliza of Damascus? And yet, what did God say to Abraham. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. And then God directed his gaze to the heavens, to the stars in the sky. Number them if you can, for so shall your offspring be. Listen, what, what, what seems impossible to man is only about a fraction of, Of what God can accomplish. And all that he asks of us. Is that we believe. That we be like that that little boy who remembered all the previous Christmases. And how good his parents were to him. The hope. The hope that God had given to Abraham. Was in the birth of his son. This miracle child. A boy who would come from his very own rapidly aging body. And we see that Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. And yet while Abraham did demonstrate faith, he also struggled with doubt as well. And this is what we see as the years went on. He and his wife Sarah, they were, they were still childless. And so they came up with this this marvelous idea that they should try to have a baby through Sarah's servant, Hagar. And thus came along Abraham's first son, Ishmael. Perfect solution, am I right? Make the impossible possible through man-made effort. I mean, it was obvious that Sarah was both too old, that she was too barren, And so why not create this heir through someone younger and more fertile? Why not take Sarah's servant? Why not take Hagar and have a son through her? I mean, what could go wrong, am I right? How often do we try to find man-made solutions when we feel that God's promises are too far off? How often do we try to take matters into our own hands Instead of waiting upon the Lord. How often do we look to to worldly solutions for all of our spiritual problems? Unfortunately, this is a mentality that that many have taken today. Instead of trusting in the promises of God and allowing Him to to work out all the kinks, we, we, we come up with our own plans and rely on human effort. And I'm not just talking about in the world for this kind of pragmatism is alive and well within the church. Too often we rely on human logic instead of how God has instructed us in his word. For example, when when Jesus promises to us that he will build his church and that the gates of hell will not overcome it, do we believe that he will do this? Or do we look to the latest trends and statistical models in order to determine how we do church? Do we go after these fads because we no longer trust in the the preached word and in the power of the Holy Spirit? You see, during Abraham's time, when when a woman was barren, the solution that people looked to would would be to have their servant bear a child for them. That was just the world's way. And even though God had instructed his people that when a man becomes united with a, with his wife, then the two become one flesh, they they just didn't care. They would just, well, let's just take a servant and have a child through her. You see, both Abraham and Sarah, they, they looked to the pragmatic solution, the, the solution that the world had to offer. Instead of believing And what God had promised to them. What God had said would come about. And thus came Ishmael, the son of the slave woman. And yet, God did not give up on Abraham and Sarah. He was was patient with them. And so he came to them once more. Look at at Genesis 17, verse 15. God also said to Abraham, Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. In God's mercy here we find him once again being patient with Abraham. Yes, A- A- Abraham tried to rely on human effort in order to see God's promise fulfilled. But God was now showing this man that his promises, they do not come about through worldly means nor through the efforts of men. For this child of promise would come through Sarah and through no one else. Listen, when when we take matters into our own hands, it's it's, it's as if we're trying to steal away God's glory. You see, there was was nothing special about Ishmael. No miracle that that brought about that son. And yet if if Sarah had a son, if a 90-year-old woman, a barren woman, had a son, then to whom does all the praise and glory belong? To God. God's promises are fulfilled through his working. Of course, Abraham, he had quite a reaction to when God told him that it would be through Sarah. The text says that he fell face down and he laughed. He just doesn't believe it. I mean, the idea is just so preposterous to him that 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 he can't control himself even in the presence of God. And then he even tries to to give God an out, as if God needs an out. You know, he suggested, well, "What about Ishmael? Couldn't this be the promised child?" I mean, God, don't you you don't need to do this. I I took care of it already. Ishmael's already here. But Ishmael was not in God's plan for his covenant. No. For the, for the covenant would pass through the son of Sarah, his wife. And not the son of some young slave. Yes, it would be through Sarah, the free woman. The woman who was 90 years old. The woman who had been barren her whole life This was the woman that God had chosen. Abraham laughed because he doubted. And yet within a year, God would demonstrate to this man how mighty he truly is. But we also see that Abraham wasn't the only one who laughed. For we see a similar scene just a chapter later. Later, look at, look at Genesis 18, verses 10 through 15. Once again, here we, we see God speaking to Abraham, only this time there's someone who's eavesdropping. It says this, Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, he did laugh. Once again, we see this laughter of disbelief. How could this possibly be? After I am worn out, and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? (coughs) You see, just like her husband, she she lacked faith in the Lord, even to the point where, where she finds the promises of Yahweh to be absurd. And yet, her doubt could not be hidden from God as he confronted her. God knew that she lacked faith. And yet, and yet he would still pour out his blessing upon her, despite her unbelief. And this leads us to our passage for today, to the fulfillment of this promise. Look once again at Genesis 21, verses 1 through 5. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave him the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac (laughs) was born to him. Here we see the promise of God fulfilled, just as he had said. This long-awaited child had finally arrived. This one who would continue Abraham's line and become a great nation, a nation through whom all the peoples of the world would be blessed. Yes, Isaac, this son of Sarah, was now finally here. And he didn't come about, through human effort, nor did he arrive by the will of men, but through the powerful working of God Almighty. And because of God's faithfulness, this this laughter of doubt that both Abraham Abraham and Sarah had, had now turned into a different kind of laughter. Look at our last two verses. Look at verses 6 and 7. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. As I awoke that Christmas morning, my nine-year-old self went down to that Christmas tree and saw A big present with my name on it. Sure enough, my my parents came through for me yet again. And and my heart, it it was filled with excitement as I tore through that wrapping paper and saw my very own Robotics R2000 Argus. My anticipation had turned to joy. And whatever little doubts that I previously possessed had now vanished. But those were the hopes and the dreams of a nine-year-old boy. And buying a child's toy, and even an expensive one at that, is not impossible. Not like the birth of Isaac. This, this laughter that, that Sarah now possessed... It was a laughter of great, great joy. For unto her a son was born, and she named him Isaac, which, by the way, means laughter. Think about that. Every time Sarah would call her son to him, to her, she would be reminded of the joy she felt on that day, the day of the birth of her son. The day when God's promise was fulfilled. Every time she would say, Isaac, come over here. She would know the laughter and the good pleasure that comes from God alone. You see, no amount of doubting can thwart God's purposes. He will accomplish exactly what he says he will in his own perfect timing and yet that that laughter that came through isaac it was just a foretaste a foretaste of the true joy that would come through another miracle child one not born of a barren woman but born of a virgin you see from the womb of sarah would come a great nation But from the womb of Mary would come the ruler of all nations. From the womb of Sarah would come the heir to the promised land. But from the womb of Mary would come the very one who prepares a new heavens and a new earth. And from the womb of Sarah would come joyous, joyous laughter of a mother, of a mother who thought that she would never be one. But from the womb of Mary would come an even greater joy. A joy for all people far and wide. Far and wide for this miracle child would bring salvation to all who have faith in him. For when we say his name, when we say Jesus Christ, we are reminded of another promise. For Jesus It doesn't mean laughter. Jesus means Yahweh saves. And there is no better promise than that. And so on this first Sunday of Advent, let us remember Isaac, but then let us look to the one to whom Isaac pointed, to the true child of promise, that miracle baby, our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, we come to you now with expectant hearts. We desire this joyous laughter of Sarah. But it's not through Isaac that such laughter will come to us, but only through your son, Jesus Christ. He is the one that our hearts desire. For only he can truly fulfill what we desperately, desperately need. We need a savior. One who can shine a light into our darkened hearts. One who can take away our sins. So this Advent season, we look to your son, that true miracle child, the prince of peace, the one who takes upon the sins of the world For our sake. It is in him that we rejoice. And we pray this in his mighty name. Amen.